All right, Trophy Kids, we are back. It has been a long time coming. Um, I do apologize. In classic Trophy Kids fashion, we are coming at you with some very late takes about the NBA Finals for this episode. Um, but I had to take some time away from the podcast, recharge the batteries, think of some new content. Um, I do think that what we're about to bring you this football season is going to be our best one yet. I'm very excited. But in the meantime, we're also going to bring you some new form content, um, which I'm very excited about. We're going to work very hard to develop this for you. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I'm looking forward to your thoughts. But we need a little time off football season, college basketball season. And so um, we are back at it. But these takes are very late. Uh, but I think you'll enjoy this episode. And as always, let's go. And welcome to Trophy Kids, presented by Bad News Media. It is June 18th, a special Saturday edition. But we had to get a recap going to the NBA Finals. Too many takes to not be had. Dante is on here with me today. It's been a while. How are we doing today, good sir? Doing well. I will I will say I'm surprised that we're not at a Game 7, but I think we're going to get into that uh, on the pod. But yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, Shocked. I am shocked I don't have a Game 7 to go to. A team that virtually just choked away every opportunity. Like There were points in this series where it was like, the Warriors are giving you this game, and you've, mm-hmm. just, you've lost the ability to dribble the basketball or use your brain and make a decent pass or Jason Tatum going complete ghost mode because he's corny as heck right now with all this like Kobe memorabilia and love, and meanwhile, he doesn't have a killer bone in his body right now. Absolute disaster to the end of that series. Yeah. You know, the thing that I noticed the most, especially in that last game, is that when Boston is, they're the comeback kids. But Mm -hmm. during that time, uh, Golden State never panicked. Whereas when Golden State went on that run, so Boston cuts it down to like, 12 or something and then golden state goes on a run towards the yeah end. or yeah 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 towards yeah, right but then golden state never panics and then goes on a run of their own and you can you could see boston just implode yep and i don't know you know part of this i guess before we get into the bad i should start with the very good and robert williams is mm-hmm. an absolute problem and awesome player to have on your team i mean this man his knee is shot they got Mr. Miyagi in the back fixing it every game at halftime to get him out there. It is one of the most gutting kind of performances I've seen in a while because there were points where you looked at him. He had zero hop, but he continued to play. He continued to be a force. He arguably was the most valuable player on the Celtics because when he was in, I mean, his plus-minus numbers were the best. I think in game five, he was the only player um, positive in the plus-minus. But... Absolute game changer. You could see the Warriors, the respect they had for him down low because their offensive game plan completely changed when he's on the floor. But I think it was, you know, credit where credit is due. Robert Williams is an absolute monster down low um, and deserves all the credit in the world for his performance. He wanted that championship. Yeah, the only thing that that worries me about Robert Williams is that's a big dude and you're making him play on that knee when arguably he probably shouldn't have. Yeah, in hindsight, because we lost now. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, you shouldn't have done that. But if we had won, yeah. I mean, right. give up Different a knee for a, Yeah, you give up your knee. Like, that's that chicken in the egg type of thing. Like, would you mm-hmm. like to have a long, prosperous career but never win a championship? Or your career be a little short because you played on a bad knee, but you yeah, won a championship? Yeah. You, you think, well, Isaiah Thomas did point that out yep. in his tweet. Yeah, like, but Isaiah won too, so. 
This is true. You know, this but is very Grant true. Hill didn't win. Yep. So. And I, that's going to be the problem getting back. I think now let's kind of talk about the bad. Well, I guess a somewhat positive, not terrible, but needs to develop. That was a very convoluted way of just saying Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are very young, so they have time to figure this yes. out. The good thing is Jason Tatum is and Jalen Brown are 24 and 25 respectively, but they absolutely well, I shouldn't Jalen Brown separate him from this conversation because he he played. He came to ball. But Jason Tatum disappeared. I mean, he gets punked by Draymond Green in game five, where that whole like carrying the ball to the basket. If that happens, you have to come out and be a killer. Like Jason Tatum looks so corny right now with all this Kobe like wearing the band and posting all these pictures and trying to be like Kobe and then on the court completely disappearing. I mean, 15 turnovers in the last three games. He was like six for 18 from the field in game six. He had a hundred turnovers in the entire postseason, um, which is crazy. Um, but like the fact that he just kind of disappeared when the moment needed him the best or when we needed him, when the moment called for him to be at his best, I'm jumbling the words around there, he completely disappeared. And, like I said, he's still young, but you look so corny right now, Jason Tatum. Like it, it's a bad yeah. look right now. Yeah, they they I mean the turnovers in game six for Boston were um just unacceptable. Almost twenty five percent um turnover. Uh turnovers per hundred possessions. So That's crazy. Th- yeah, that is a recipe for disaster. Um, I really don't understand Jason Tatum. I don't like the takes of like Jason Tatum doesn't have the dog in him because I believe he's young and so like he can develop that. Um, and maybe that's not what you do. I will say this: I 100 percent think he can develop it. Uh, he that's yeah. why I'm saying he's young. But it's just it's such a bad look when you are projecting all this Kobe imagery. Mm-hmm. And then you should never, never do that. Never, never, never. But if you're going to do that, then you can't just disappear at the end of a game. Also, I don't know if Jason Tatum knows this, but uh, Kobe is never going to help the Celtics (laughs) as a franchise. (laughs) Just off principle, right? That's just not going to happen. God rest his soul. That's just not, he's not going to help the Celtics. That's <laughs> I was dying at those memes of like, it's like a text chain between Jason Tatum and Kobe. <laughs> it's Kobe's like, lose my number. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't text this. Yeah. It also was, and I'm going to, I'm going to be this person. It's also weird to text like someone who has passed, like, like a Kobe Bryant. I, I'm not saying like in your personal life, if to get through your grieving, like, you you know send a text to a deceased family member, but to like publicly do that, yeah, that, that it's a little. And weird. also, you're not family. Like I'm sure you yeah. and Kobe had a good relationship, but like it just it's all feels so corny now. Um, yeah, and it, it's a real problem. I mean, they are young. Like Steph Curry won his first championship at 26. LeBron was mm-hmm. 27. Kevin Durant took him until he was 28. So like they are still young in basketball. Unlike football. I think he's a little bit easier to get back to the championship. Yes. Um, so there's, I'm not having this like, you know, if my team makes the Super Bowl and we lose, you know, I'm like, damn, we may never get back there again. And that may not happen with the Celtics. They may not never get back there again, but it's a little bit re- more reassuring because you know the core is young. And in basketball, it's easier to get back. So there is time to grow, but it just, 
It was just yeah. such bad and sloppy basketball. I, I, I couldn't believe that was the quality of play we were getting on the biggest stage. And I think that was the most disappointing. But that was sort of the Celtics all season. I mean, they were absolutely exhausting to watch. Yeah, and the Warriors really stepped up their defense in Game 6 and in Game 5, um, holding, I think, uh, Tatum to like 35 36% shooting. Yeah, that that's not an easy yep. feat. He was 37% oh. in game six. Yeah, 37%. Yeah. That's not an easy feat. I will say this. As we progress, or as Boston progresses, Jalen Brown trying to play hero ball is never going to be the answer. No. Ever. <laughs> he he dribbles into double teams Yep. instead of out of them. And I don't know if he knows, like, I get it. I know what you want to do, or you like you want to like play like you're on the playground. But these are professional athletes that you are. <laughs> these are the most skilled players in the world. I mean, it's a global sport. The most skilled in the world. Right. What are you doing? But this was that was the other frustrating thing. Is like at times Jalen Brown's game. You're like, damn, this dude is shooting daggers. He's being an absolute assassin. And He's then, a nightmare one on one. Yeah, but then his yeah. brain would just go noodle brain, yeah. and he'd like forget how to. Just dribble a basketball, which he's probably been doing since the time he was like six. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Towards the end of the game, uh, when Golden State went on that that run, I saw him dribble into three double teams, and I'm just like, "What is he doing?" This is the stuff where it was like, and the team got better. Odogo did a great job coaching them mm-hmm. and getting them past the kind of Brad ceilings, Brad Stevens ceiling that he set, but. Those were the moments where I don't know if it was poor coaching or if the players were just gassed or the inexperience. Like, I can't pinpoint exactly what it is. I think it's a combination of it all. But in those moments, it did feel like Boston just had no plan. Like, they weren't thinking it through. They weren't even just playing, like, very simple basketball. Everything was difficult. And it was – it's so frustrating to watch. I don't know if you have kind of an idea of what maybe it was outside of what I just said. But, like, I think it was a combination of that, all that. And it was just incredibly frustrating with this team because they are legitimate stars on this team, but they just played such silly basketball at the end. (laughs) I guess for me, like, it was watching Al Horford try to keep them in it with those threes. Yep. And just him just draining them when they needed them the most. And then the Celtics, not like you said, not being able to capitalize, not being able to put the game plan around. Also, as much as you talked about, like, Robert Williams and him like being in the paint defending it did feel like Andrew Wiggins was taking offensive rebounds out of his hands I guess that's a good natural transition we focused a lot on the Celtics switch gears to the Warriors Wiggins I mean Steph is phenomenal I jokingly said Wiggins MVP but in a way Steph should have gotten the MVP but there's an argument to make that what Wiggins was able to do in that series is what allowed Golden State to win. Because if he doesn't Absolutely. play the way he played, Celtics are the champion. Like, we're not even getting in Game 7. It's probably ending in 5. Um, yeah. Andrew Wiggins, that was a resurrection like I have never seen, I don't think, in professional basketball. I don't know if you, you have something to compare it to, but it was really like it was really fun to watch him, especially given what his career has looked like and kind of the hate he got because he was the number one pick. But I, it was... As a Celtics fan, I was very conflicted about this because Golden State is fun, and what I was watching was incredible, both Steph and Wiggins. But, I mean, Wiggins, I can't give him enough applause. He was yeah, the most Wiggins key player. Is a, 
he's a perfect example of like I my dad and I talk about this a lot. I think the hype that he got coming into the league was too much. He was never ever going to no player. Yeah. You get you get one LeBron, you yep. get one Steph Curry. Like you don't get these types of players. And I think sometimes that does hurt your perception of a player because by no means is Andrew Wiggins a bad was he a bad player. I also think he's a perfect example of just stay the course. Right? That is very true. Yes. Um, and you will get to where you and I think also having Andre Iguodala, who not necessarily the same story, but similar, yeah, right? Very, where, yeah. Yeah. Having him there and you could see him like especially in game six, call Wiggins over, like, don't do that. Like, what are yep. you doing? <laughs> like, there's a, a perfect clip of uh Wiggins getting that file and then uh Iguodala talking to him and Steve Kerr just <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Iguodala's got a coaching career ahead of him. Yeah. Let's put that just put that out there right now. He was the assistant coach on the bench, player coach there. Yeah. Um, now, I think for Steph Curry, though, like, uh, yes, I think you don't win without Wiggins. You don't win without Draymond. Um, I, but I have to say, like, he, Steph Curry carried this team. Yes. Even when he wasn't scoring in volumes, he still carried this team and scored when he needed to. And I think, that's one for all the haters of Steph out there. Now you can't say that he didn't carry a team when he needed to. Yep, exactly. That That is the biggest takeaway. And I know there are going to be debates on like every show. You know, what yep. is Steph Curry's legacy? Where does he fit in the top five? All that. We can talk about that if we want. But I am more interested in making sure people realize that like Steph put a stake in the ground and was mm-hmm. like, I am one of the superstars of this league. I am one of the elite players in this league. Yes, I've had a lot of help in my career, but like this is my team. I'm the best player. I'm carrying this team. And that was a big kind of plant the flag in the ground. They're really I don't understand how you can hate on Curry at this point. Like I I don't any any hate towards him at this point in his career at this very moment is just trying to create controversy because there isn't much there's nothing to hate about the guy at this point. No, I don't I I think for me, as I look at the discord discourse around the NBA, around these Mickey Mouse championships, these <laughs> fake rings, these things, I, I think it makes me think of two players, and it's, it's Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. And I think that we are in danger of not giving these generational talents their roses while they're here, while they're in the league. I mean, we know LeBron is on his way out, but yeah. Steph and KD aren't far behind him and we do a lot like i saw a take today that was just like every um championship that the warriors have won key players have been hurt and i'm like that's every year (laughs) show me a championship like do you want us to stop until someone gets they're 100 healthy and also where is that where's that same argument for toronto right yeah that's fair so and you win the championships that are placed in front of you. You can't. Steph Curry didn't go out there and hurt people. Yeah. You know, his own. So, and that's what makes that. a champion, though, is getting through that adversity. Like, that is why winning a championship is so hard and why when you do, you are truly one of the elites of the elites because everybody's playing through injuries. Everybody at this point in the season is banged up and exhausted and on the last leg. But that's what separates the great players from the average guys, the guys yeah. who play in college but can't play in the NBA. Like, being able to push through those things, be able to have your body in the right place, that's all part of it. 
I would never take away that Cavaliers championship, but you could argue that Draymond got that ejection and that changed the course of that yeah. um, series, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, it's not... I, I can't... I don't... He has his MVP, now his, his finals MVP. I am so glad he has it because that is one, <laughs> that was one of the dumbest arguments I've ever heard. This would be like... And this, I, like, I don't particularly care for Charles Barkley, but if you go out there and say, like, Charles Barkley isn't a great player because he never won a championship, that's wrong. It's wrong. Correct. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a hundred percent the wrong take and the wrong Steph way to look Curry. at it. Yeah, but here's Steph Curry who has won multiple championships, and you're like, well, he never won uh, Finals MVP, so well, they're all bunk. Like, yep. <laughs> Let, but this gets back to like, there's no real arguments against Steph. There are yeah. arguments though about the controversy setter, the man who I <laughs> I just hate so much at these moments, Draymond Green. That this man, oh, I don't know where to begin. Um, one, yes, the last game you played great, but the rest of the series you were a bum. You can't be out here talking about Cedric Maxwell being a role player and stuff. The man's the finals MVP when you're out here having more fouls than points. There were games where you had two points and like zero rebounds. Like, check your lane here. Like, you were the ultimate role player. You're an enforcer at this point in time, talking about how it takes skill to play in this league compared to in the 90s and 80s, which isn't untrue. The players are more skilled, mm-hmm. but like not act like you get bullied. Also, that like he gets bullied regularly in the NBA at this point in his career. Um, still got four rings. He does still have four rings. God, uh, I, I the problem is I don't hate Golden State. But I do. Draymond gets under my skin so much. He aggravates. Well, me then he's doing so his job, much. Right? I know and that's his role. But yeah. Oh my god. I think Boston messed up. I think two things happened for Draymond. One, he definitely listens to the podcast and the talking heads, obviously, because oh, yeah. it gets under it gets under his skin. Um, and he, you know, sometimes he defends it by like, that's not why I'm out there. I'm not out there to score. I'm out there to assist. I'm out there to do this. But I think Boston messed up with the fu Draymond chats. What we messed that... up is when we built the new garden, we didn't bring the bodies from the old one with us. So <laughs> that that is where Boston has messed up. Oh, um... uh, I am of course a Draymond uh, defender. Uh, obviously, he we uh, went to the same college. So <laughs> what was this with like? Every MSU player who's ever played all of a sudden becoming his teammate. Like they showed the picture of that box, and they're yeah. like, they were all his former teammates. It was like, I don't what? understand that. That was that. You know what that was? An intern wrote that, and they yeah. just read it. Like that just. I, there were people from MSU's Twitter like, yeah. what did they just say? Like unbelievable. <laughs> um, but no, it is true. I mean, Draymond is the best at what he is tasked to do at this point in time in his career. Kind of like the only player in the league who who is doing it. The stuff he gets away with is yeah. insane. It, it, <laughs> it is incredible, especially when they do like a uh, like a supercut of all the things he's done, and like when he's just blatantly tackling someone. I'm like, what is what is he doing? Yeah, like and, what what were you trying to do? Dude, that was the other thing that pissed me off about this. Like, I'm not a blame the ref guy unless, like, there's only one game where I unequivocally say the ref screwed us, and that was Xavier FSU a couple years ago in fouling out JP on just bogus foul calls. But outside of that, I'm not a big blame the ref guy for your losses the vast majority of the time. But this was a terrible look for the NBA officiating. This series, I mean, there were things 
that were getting called versus not getting called that just made no sense game to game. Like there was no yeah. consistency. It, it, it's ba- like if you're going to be bad, at least have bad consistency. Like they were just all over the place game to game. Um, and it was a really bad look for NBA officiating for, you know, a top four sport like the NBA. Yeah, it was so weird. Like we got to the second half and Golden State had shot two free throws or three free throws. And I was like, huh? How did that? How did that happen? You oh, you know another thing that Boston was doing a lot, and it it kind of gave Golden State a couple uh fast breaks is they them talking to the ref while the game was still being played. Thank you for bringing that up. I forgot to bring it up in my Tatum rant. Stop looking for calls and just play the game. I have never seen somebody. Look for calls more, I feel like, at this point than Jason Tatum. In that series, I swear, every time he shot the basketball, he was looking for a call. Like, just focus on playing, all right? Like, it's just unbelievable how, yeah, the Celtics were, at times it was, and I think Adoko hit on, or Adoko hit on this, um, that they just had to stop looking for fouls because they were so consumed with, like, trying to get a foul call that, like you said, they would leave them uh, open for fast breaks. They play sloppy defense. Like, it just, it was really bad. The other thing, too, and this is on um, Boston and their staff, that bench has to score more points. Yeah. There needs to be a lot more. Grant Williams came in, (laughs) scored three. Uh, Derek White, I mean, he just disappeared. I mean, a guy who I was giving a ton of praise to coming into this series just completely disappeared. And I did say um, when I was on that uh, I-75 Fast Break podcast, um, I did say that Derek White was going to be the most, like, how he played, you could, if you were, like, live betting a game, how Derek White was playing was going to be directly correlated to whether or not the Celtics won or lost. Like, if he was playing good, they were right in there winning games. As soon as he disappeared, that went there went all the depth they had because he was about it that really gave you consistent performances in the in the postseason. But yeah, he yeah. disappeared at the end. Yeah, I because you got Jordan Poole coming in dropping fifteen on you. Oh. You got Gary Payton coming in putting up a few. If you're bench, if you're gonna get outscored, like <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't do that. I do think this is not doom and gloom for Boston. I saw a couple uh, talking heads saying, like, Boston missed their chance in Boston. And I'm like, how? Like, no, no, you learn from this. I do think there is also a level of... uh, Boston just didn't have, um, for being so young and for the Celtics um, not being in the finals for a little... for. missing from the finals for a little while. So um, at the end of the day, I think everything looks up for Boston. I think on the other end, does Golden State nurture this young core that they have or this young talent that they have? And can they get there? Uh, can they get there again? I also think it's foolish for people to be like, there's no way Golden State would have sniffed the championship in the next four or five years. When you have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson Two people who have, you know, literally changed the game of basketball on your team. There's yep. no way you don't at least get back to the finals. Yeah, I think long term, I think that's exactly correct. I think the Celtics, this is the thing. I, I feel like people just forgot this, but the Celtics have been to three of the last five Eastern Conference finals. Like this has been a team right. that's been really consistent and just didn't, right. couldn't break through. They finally broke 
broke through. So they're going to be they're going to be in positions to make it back here. Like I have zero concerns about that. Golden State, that is an interesting kind of proposition as to what you do managing this roster long term because Steph I don't know when it's going to go for Steph, but he is a guy that has to work so hard to get his shots off. Like it is very physically draining. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's not around as long as we think he is, but they definitely have opportunities to get back. I think it's harder, especially the way the West is trending. It's going to be harder for them to get back than the Celtics, but still very possible for both teams. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was just a weird NBA Finals, I think. But I do think we covered a good portion of it. I think both franchises are in good spots to get back in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think the Celtics mm-hmm. are a little bit better off, but we'll see. Yeah, because the West, the West next year, should be a gauntlet to get through for yep. anyone. Um, but the West next year also has to keep their superstars happy when we're thinking about Utah and Denver, right? Yep. So, and whatever what is happening. Do to get Lucas some help. Yeah, exactly. And whatever is happening in LA. <laughs> so, <laughs> that circus. Oh, that God. The epitome of a circus. Oh my God! Yeah. Do you think, like, if you're a LeBron, do you think, like, maybe that should take a year off? Dude, I say if I'm LeBron at this point in my career, I go full villain mode, play for like a million bucks, and join Golden State. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, why not? Right? You may, you could play with Golden State. You may, maybe can put Golden State like on if you stay healthy as LeBron, maybe a three. Like a three P. Oh, they'd be on God mode. I mean, yeah. People forget how good that like that is arguably one of the best teams ever with Kevin Durant was there. But yes. adding LeBron at this point too would yeah, they'd go on God mode. <laughs> it would be the problem being and why he wouldn't do it besides like it's just a cheat code, is uh then him and Steph would have the same amount of rings. Yeah, that and also, as we saw when Kevin Durant was there, Steph is the man. Like, that's his yeah, team. That's his team. Even if you're better yeah. than him, because Kevin Durant is a better basketball player, um, that's still his team. That The city yeah. loves him. That's his team. Like, I don't know if LeBron could handle that either. But it would be super interesting to see. <laughs> Speaking of Draymond and Kevin Durant, did you see, and Skip Bayless pointed this out, and I think Shannon Sharp did too, like, saying how bad KD is dribbling out of or shooting out of the double team and then KD like taking that very personally. Did you see that? I I saw that they were going at it. I didn't know that was the reason. I mean, stop it. KD is the most effective offensive player arguably we've seen. Like when he's at his peak, he is arguably the best offensive player ever. (laughs) You know what I think it is? Um, And this is not my take is that sometimes he gets caught on a double team on the baseline and yep. the ball has to travel so far up when he dribbles it yeah, that it makes it harder um, for him. Like he, because a double team in the open floor, yeah, he's gonna get through that all the time. But yeah, yeah they will trap him on that corner, and sometimes it's harder. And I literally think it's because the ball takes a long time to get back <laughs> up to his hand. <laughs> I don't hate it. I do not hate the take at all. <laughs> Makes sense to me. <laughs> not my take. So for whoever's in the comments, like you stole that from whoever. I did. I 100% stole that. <laughs> We're very honest about that when it's yeah. not a, an original take of ours. Um, yeah, that is that's funny. I did not know that was the reason they were beefing, but I did see that they were beefing right now. Draymond is going to be such a pain for NBA players when he goes full content mode. 
Oh, oh man, this is gonna God. be so great. I, I, we have very different <laughs> definitions of great. Actually, no. You know what? I probably will like it because it'll just be so off the walls that it's like, yeah, this it's is going to be. An, I, even I am going to find it infuriating because sometimes Draymond says stuff like, so he's right when he says stuff like, it's not just about the box score, but. At the same token, the box score is also a very important part of the yes. game. Both both things like I'm a big believer in momentum, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you have players like uh Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, particularly Marcus Smart, who can change the momentum of a game very quickly. Uh, I think sometimes in Marcus Smart to Marcus Smart's <laughs> detriment is you don't know which way the momentum is going yeah, to yeah. swing. Yeah. I mean yeah. Sometimes it's positive, and sometimes it's just him jacking up eight threes in a row and not moving just at all on offense. Not killing moving. a building. Catch, shoot. Like, that is not <laughs> your job. I was talking to my dad about this, and he didn't agree with me. I think, uh, and you know, White kind of is this. I think uh, Boston needs a different point guard coming off the bench. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, there needs to be a development of some real depth there because we, we've we seen it. Like, when Marcus Smart isn't able to play the offense, like, we don't have a point guard. Like, he yeah. is our point guard. There's no, and there's, yeah. there's not really a lot of depth behind him, and we do need, I think, you know, moving into the offseason, that's the area that Brad Stevens in the front office needs to focus on. Also, I will say a conversation that we had, uh, you, myself, and Tim had earlier in this year kind of came full circle in this finals when we were talking about how basketball has become very positionless, but then, like, in this finals, like, positions became very, very important. Yeah, so, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah, no, this was a definitely a series where positions were very important. At a premium, I would say. At argue. a premium, Look at Wiggins and yeah, my and like the Golden State going out there with basically no true center, but mm-hmm. playing around the strengths of who they had. Yeah, I mean, and that's once again credit to Steve Kerr, who has done it on and off the court. I mean, I don't know how you hate on him too. I I saw some people talking like he was a fraudulent coach, like he's not actually as good as he is. It's like that is so ignorant of like what mm, no. I mean, Steve Kerr. Don't get me wrong, Steph. Curry and Thompson have been a huge reason for that success. But, like, Steve Kerr helped mold that together. Like, yeah. people forget, Steph Curry was not, like, working in the early part of his career. Like, he was really struggling in the NBA. Now, a lot of that was injury-based. But, like, Steve Kerr is the mastermind behind all this. Like, he has molded this team into an absolute dynasty. Yeah. And Steve Kerr has been a part of Dynasty, so he knows a thing or two. <laughs> he knows a thing or two. He's been around the game in some pretty nice spots, to say the yeah. least. He definitely knows it. Oh, he is going to be on the NBA's Mount Rushmore when it's all said and done. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, all right. I feel like we covered that pretty extensively for all you we, people wanting the NBA takes. We yeah. brought him here today. <laughs> I think the only other thing, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but we have to because it's in the news, is uh, Vince McMahon and this stuff happening at the WWE. What's been going on with that? Explain that to me because I've seen yeah, it, so, but I just haven't clicked into any of the articles. So I know there's chaos going on, but I yeah, don't so actually know that much about it. The board is, has launched an internal investigation because uh, there was a $3 million hush money settlement paid to someone who has who was alleged to have had a relationship with McMahon, I think, I believe, like in 2018, 2019. When they were uncovering that, they uncovered a 
bunch of other hush oh. money payments. Now, normally this isn't like if you know anything about the business world and like NDAs and all that stuff. Normally this isn't an issue unless you are using company money to pay this off. And I think that's where yep. we're go- we're uh, figuring this out now. He is um, he stepped down uh, from the board, but he is still in charge of creative. So he, you know, that's how these things go. Also, yeah. <laughs> if you know anything about WWE and Vince McMahon, like I'm not a big wrestling fan. Actually, I'm not a wrestling fan at all, but I'm a true crime fan. And there have been a lot of crimes at the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> not the most <laughs> shocking thing. <laughs> yeah. And Vince McMahon usually has his fingerprints on it somewhere. Now, I'm not saying that he has done any crimes. Everything that we're talking about is alleged right now, right? Allegedly. Yep. Um, for our, our trophy kids lawyer out there uh <laughs> but there 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 he he is no stranger to controversy um do i think something's gonna happen at the end of the day no they're yeah. doing an internal investigation i think they're trying to get ahead of it so that like the ftc or sec doesn't get 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 involved here it is interesting that um you know you are using you may have used misappropriated company's funds to um you know because of your misdeeds so yeah yeah always a good look when you immediately resign after Alex yeah. come out. <laughs> always always a good look <laughs> yeah and we have to we'll be remiss to say vince mcmahon is uh cooperating or he has said he will cooperate with all investigations and um yeah that uh going forward so nice all right well I will keep an eye. That was blowing up on my timeline. I just did not click into anything yesterday. So, yeah. Well, I like there was a <laughs> super cut, no, a thread of like all of the Vince McMahon controversies. <laughs> and they're like, this one really is tame compared to the other things he's been connected yeah. to. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, good time. I mean, let's not forget, like, they did a tribute uh, match to Chris Benoit uh, when they had, they didn't even really know what had transpired um between him and his family uh and the you know the, the his death and then when they found out during the match decided to just keep it going uh, so <laughs> yeah this is the least surprising thing i think i've been right, doing all yeah. day um and that was talking wwe on the trophy kids. Yeah. i mean we're just branching out into all different directions that's what we have to do at this time of year because it's just baseball and drake albums coming out nine months apart yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And when your teams aren't good, right? Tigers aren't good. And then I'm here in Chicago, and White Sox aren't good, and I refuse to be a Cubs fan, so. It's tough. It's a tough yeah. time of year. <laughs> tough, tough time of year. But we'll be bringing you more content. We're going to be doing maybe some different things here on the podcast, so you'll definitely want to stick around um, and check those out as we bring them to you. But I think that does it for us today. And as always, peace. Peace. Peace.